Topic of our Nadama talk this evening is short and sweet, namely pain. <laughs> Just four letters. And the question to all of you is, is pain just a theoretical construct? Or is certain pain a reality for all of us as certain retreatants? It is a reality for us as retreatants. And so lately, has uh, pain occurred in your practice, or has it been quite pleasurable sailing? Pain. So, what the talk today is all about is, first of all, we'll try to see pain in its larger context, and then we shall look at various forms of pain as or dukkha as the Buddha has given the Pali term for it. And so we'll look at different forms of pain and then also explain things, what covers up this pain and then also how to deal with it and then how it arises in the meditation practice and also causes that certainly lead to the arising of pain. Now, there is a stock passage in the text where the Buddha asks the various people, namely, what do you think are material form, feeling, perception, mental formations, and consciousness permanent or impermanent? And the answer to this is impermanent. And you're saying this because you know this from theoretical knowledge or from direct experience. And suddenly then, uh, so, and you know, the uh, the answer to this satna then would be formations are impermanent, and satna then the Buddha would go on to ask: If a thing is impermanent, is it pleasurable or painful? And the answer to this, venerable Gotama, it is painful. Now, one such passage occurs in the first volume of the Majjhima Nikaya, section 232. Now, the characteristic of pain is as follows, namely, it's the oppression of formations and certainly their suppression, their obstruction and fearfulness owing to their origination and dissolution. So in other words, because of formations, or because of the fact that formations arise and pass away, because certainly they undergo various changes, they are an oppression, they are an obstruction, and certainly they are even fearful. Now, there are 
three forms of Fatna Dukkha that the Buddha mentions of Fatna suffering and they are given, for instance, in the Samyutta Nikaya 45, so the 45th collection, passage 165, or Discourse 165. Namely, there is suffering or unsatisfactoriness due to pain, and then there's unsatisfactoriness due to formations, and then there's unsatisfactoriness due to change. And these are the three kinds of unsatisfactoriness. The Noble Eightfold Path is to be developed for direct knowledge of these three kinds of unsatisfactoriness, for the full understanding of them, for their utter destruction, for their abandoning. Now, the first form of unsatisfactoriness due to pain in the Pani scriptural language is known as dukkha, dukkha. And this is an experience that all of us will be pretty familiar with. It's nothing unusual. And so to give you some examples for this, if you were to sit in, or if you sit in meditation for an hour without changing the posture at all, then sooner or later some form of pain is likely to arise. Now, this certain dukkha dukkha comes in two categories, namely as physical dukkha, kaika dukkha in the Pali scriptural language, and certainly then you know, the suffering connected to you know, the mind, chitasika dukkha. Now, can you think of aspects of experiences that come under kaika dukkha, namely bodily pain? So, you've practiced for a few days. You may have experienced or encountered one or the other. Namely? Pardon me? Oh, there's a long list. Mm. So, could you be more specific than this? <laughs> oh, crushing, crushing, tearing, yes. Stabbing pain, yes. Pardon me? Oh, tightness, yes. Burning, okay. And uh, then those with migraines. With a migraine, you get a what? You get a headache. Yeah. Pardon me? Knife in the eye. Nice in the eye. Nice. Or a knife in the eye, yes, and indeed. <laughs> so there's a great. Uh, there's a great variety of uh, you know, physical you know, pains around. 
and Satya then maybe even worse Satya then you know, those physical pains are you know, your mental pains and so, you know, do have you come you know, across any of those or has your practice been pretty pain-free so Peter Yes. Uh, oh, I shouldn't have something. Yes. And uh, so, no, no judgment. Anything else? Disappointment, frustration. Yes, disappointment, frustration. What else? Aversion. Aversion yes. Doubt. Doubt yes. Hatred. Hatred yes. Fear. Fear yes. And certain uh, so many uh, others. Uh, let's say you know, when restlessness, you know, strong restlessness, you know, comes up you know, in the mind, you know, is this fun or not? <laughs> it's not. And so, you know, so there's so many forms of you know, mental you know, pain, and in one way or another, you know, all you know, they're all you know, related, you know, or it's all related to you know, the, you know, especially to the unwholesome you know, mental states, but uh, you know, to you know, mental formations in general. Now, such kind of um, suffering or unsatisfactoriness uh, that is inherent in the body and certainly in the mind is uh, known as Satna Dukkha Dukkha. Now, we then have a second uh, form of uh, unsatisfactoriness uh, as uh, given earlier on, namely due to uh, formations. And uh, this in the Pali scriptural language is known as Sankara Dukkha or Dukkata. And when uh, we uh, get up uh, uh, in uh, the morning and uh, then uh, we uh, take a shower and uh, then we brush the body nicely, we brush it down, apply soap and brush it down, and then we step out of the shower, then we dress, and then we're ready for the day. We feel great. But after just one or two sessions with intense pain, what about our state of bodily freshness? Is it still there or not? It's no longer there. And so you know, the body will be covered by perspiration and we might feel like it's high time for a second shower. Or um, you've just taken your breakfast and then uh, as Satna the dentist Satna recommend, you, know, you brush Satna your teeth. So you do it mindfully and Satna, you label it, you observe certain different sensations involved, and Satna, then you know it's nature. And then uh, you continue with your sitting practice, you sit, you walk, uh, an interview comes, and Satna, then it's time you know, for lunch. And Satna, then once lunch is done, 
you, know, you remembered your dentist's advice again. It's high time to brush the teeth one more time. And so, so you go to the bathroom and, and then you go through the whole procedure of you know, grabbing your toothbrush and putting some toothpaste on it and dip it in water. And then you have to brush your teeth again a second time. And on top of this, you have to label everything. It makes it so cumbersome. <laughs> And, and so, so anyways, um, finally you're, you're done with the job. And so then you take a nap after lunch, and so then comes the afternoon again with sitting and walking practice. It all goes quite well. And then comes the juice. So you take your juice, it's a great refreshment. And then, once the glass is rinsed, you remember your dentist's advice. It's time to brush the teeth again, unless you disregard your dentist's advice. <laughs> so, now then you have to go through this whole procedure of brushing the teeth again, and by that time, do you consider brushing the teeth well, conducive, conducive to much pleasure, or do you regard it as conducive to some amount of suffering? You have the choice. <laughs> so, there are certain activities in human existence that tend to be rather repetitive and that have to do with maintaining this body of ours. And so, uh, we have to, in the morning, when we get out of bed, then, you know, we have to, uh, or first of all, we have to, when we get up, we have to move this body out of bed. And then, uh, as mentioned early on, we have to provide it with a shower, then we have to dress it, and then we have to move it to the meditation hall. And then after that, also, well, some chanting is there. And then we have to feed this body during breakfast and then the brushing of the teeth and it, and then we have to move the body around so that it gets some exercise etc etc this at times can be quite burdensome now um, usually from a western point of view we don't really think about these aspects but upon careful reflection there is certainly quite some meaning to this so this is um, you know all the work that is involved in looking after the body maintaining its health and certain strength this comes under sankara dukkata namely unsatisfactoriness owing to you know, formations. Now, the you know, third you know, form of uh, you know, unsatisfactoriness is certainly that owing to change, viparinama dukkha or dukkata in the Pali scriptural language. And this has in particular to do with pleasant feelings. 
So let's say um, the uh, well, the kitchen crew has uh, you know, put a delicious meal on the menu, and it ends with ice cream. And so, you know, so you've been looking forward to ice cream for quite some time, and finally here it comes, and you're all pleased. So you, know, you have your, your ice cream, you know, one spoonful after another. You enjoy every you know, single you know, moment of it, and then you know, sooner or later, what happens? Fine. An empty bowl, there you go. There is no more ice cream in your bowl. And so with this then, your pleasant feeling connected with eating ice cream as a dessert, this feeling then will gradually pass. And this is conducive to happiness or suffering? For the most part, I suppose, conducive to suffering. Now, um, this is certainly what certainly the Buddha had in mind when pleasant experiences that are accompanied by a pleasant feeling come to an end. Then this is a form of suffering. However, we to you know, present a balanced you know, picture, and to be you know, fair, you know, we should also say you know, that uh, you know, when an unpleasant uh, experience, let's say, you know, like uh, um, an intense certain you know, pain, when this is over or a difficult mental state ends, you know, this certain you know, then uh, also you know, may provide. Uh, some, this may provide happiness to the meditator. However, even that happiness is going to last forever or not? It's not going to last forever. So, in other words, the parts of the or experiences related to the five aggregates are continuously or could be seen as a mass of suffering. So to briefly restate those certain three forms of unsatisfactoriness are suffering in the form of pain, dukkha dukkata, then suffering or unsatisfactoriness in due to or unsatisfactoriness that is inherent in formations, sankhara, dukkata, and then we have suffering owing to change. Now, when we sit at home, on, in the living room, on you know, the sofa, and uh, we're talking to you know, some of our you know, family you know, members and maybe you know, some of our you know, friends, and so the conversation is lasting you know, quite you know, some time, let's say you know, half an hour, one hour, maybe even you know, more, you know, then you know, we you know, might you know, not even notice that we change our posture every now and then. 
and certainly the end result of Fatnir this is that an impression arises as if sitting on the sofa for 45 minutes, for an hour or even more is a rather pleasant experience. However, if we were to be mindful of this activity of sitting on the sofa, then we would notice very soon that after maybe 10-15 minutes of sitting, some discomfort arises somewhere in the body. Let's say there's some pressure, some hardness in the buttocks, maybe some heat, and then there's an immediate impulse to change the posture, to shift. And then, when we give in to this, then the initial discomfort goes away and everything is okay again. And so in the course of the conversation, this process may happen many times and the illusion is then created of an experience of pleasure. And it is one of the main reasons for the instruction at the beginning of the retreat to sit still as much as possible for, well, for let's say an hour, is to ensure that meditators sooner or later make this discovery that there is actually quite a bit of suffering inherent or pain inherent in the body. So if we keep changing our posture all the time, then we feel like being inside a cocoon of comfort and we don't see reality for what it actually is. Now, When we practice and a pain, a physical or mental pain arises, then there is a strong tendency among meditators to identify with the experience. And it's no longer just a pain, but rather my pain. And my pain is suddenly giving me a hard time. My pain is killing me. And suddenly then, very soon, one wants to change the posture. Yes. Pain and certain suffering. Um, for instance, some physical pain, for example, if I stub my toe, mm-hmm. is inescapable. Right? But the suffering that arises from that physical pain perhaps can be avoided or, or released or abandoned. But the pain itself is uh, related to the stubbing of the toe. Uh, I'm just wondering if there's a distinction there. Well, as mentioned earlier on, there is this dukkha dukkata, 
you know, so you know, suffering owing to you know, pain. So it's a form of you know, suffering. You know, plus, um, we well, suffering by you know, suffering or unsatisfactoriness to be more precise is the you know, more general term. You know, and pain you know, oftentimes uh, is uh, limited to you know, physical pain, although you know, of course there's also uh, the mental pain. And, uh, now, when it comes to various certain pains and painful experiences, the question might arise, um, what causes these experiences? And do you have any answers to this? Let's say you experience a knee pain, and why is this knee pain there? Any reason for this? Pardon me? We have? Nerve oh, nerve endings. Oh, I see. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> Any other reasons? Or changes? Uh, yes. An injury? Yes. Okay. Any other new causes? Ah, not so bad. Yes, that's a good point. Now, um, a few remarks about certain causes of pain. Mm, namely, some of our painful experiences can be related to the past karmical retribution. So, for having done some unwholesome deed in the past. However, it's important to see this as um, not the only cause, not the only possible cause. And so the Buddha himself gives in you know, the fourth uh, volume of the Samyutta Nikaya, you know, section 230, gives a, a wonderful explanation. Namely, he says, feelings in connection with, let's say, a pain, origin, you know, are originating from disorders of the bile, of, because of phlegm, because of wind, because of an imbalance of the bodily humors, and then because of change of climate, and then, as Jim pointed out, careless behavior or violence. And so let's say if we don't look after our health, and suddenly then we think, well, I'm young, and suddenly smoking, and I very much like smoking, and it will not damage my health, and we keep happily puffing one cigarette away after the other. Sooner or later, it will contribute to the arising of pain in the chest area, right? And so that certainly would be one cause. Now, and there is 
another major reason that Sutton contributes Sutton to the arising of certain painful experiences in the course of the meditation practice. Namely, when you see um, meditators practicing for a longer period of time, and when you see them you know, going through you know, different insight knowledges, then you, know, you will also you know, find out you know, that during certain insight knowledges, very specific you know, pains and aches come up in you know, at times very specific locations, and so that stiffness in you know, the upper you know, back area, the shoulder area. Is, is a common experience among meditators. It happens at a particular point. And so, and then there may be an experience of like sitting, so one is sitting, and even though one is sitting on a very comfortable cushion, one has been sitting on it for days on end, and there's been no problem with the cushion whatsoever. And sooner or later comes the point when it feels like one is sitting on a sharp rock. And yes, you've had this experience. And, and then one wonders, what is happening? All of a, what's wrong with the cushion all of a sudden? And it's not the cushion, but it's uh, you know, the problem is, so, or it has to do with the insight knowledge that one is currently you know, experiencing. So keep this uh, in mind. Now, um, some further uh, explanations uh, can, might be useful, namely explanations that I found in a book by Ariel Glücklich, who is uh, a professor at uh, one of uh, the universities in, oh, please, Georgetown University or so. I'm not, I forgot. The title of the book is Sacred Pain Hurting the Self for, um, what's this here? Uh, hurting the you know, the body for the sake of you know, the soul, so it's a book that certainly explores you know, pain from a spiritual point of view. Pain, as uh, you know, uh, described and certainly then experienced in different religious certain traditions. And certainly, so for instance, in Hinduism, in Buddhism, in uh, Jainism, and certainly so on and so forth. And also some modern uh, aspects are there. And so Ariel Glücklich in, in this certain book, then says as as an explanation for or a you know a causal model for pains. There's the so-called juridical model, namely a pain is seen as punishment, and so as a punishment by some supreme agency, or it is seen as some impersonal mechanism such as uh, uh, karma. And so then everything is being attributed owing to past uh, misdeeds in this existence or some past uh, life, past existence that I now have to uh, suffer. And as qualified already earlier on, please do know this is not the only reason for the pain satna that are occurring in our practice. And satna, 
also, and what about certainly this certainly some supreme being handing down punishment? Does, from a meditator's point of view, does this make sense? Uh, not really. Now, Ariel Glücklich in his certainly study of certainly pains, also then speaks of the so-called military model. And he says that most people who suffer pain today, especially chronic pain, regard it as what? As what? Or endurance builder, not so bad. That comes actually under the next model, the athletic model. <laughs> so, and the military model assumes certain, well, two sides, an enemy and and the friend. And so, a pain then is seen as an enemy. And so, does this have any relevance to you? Very much so. And so. Now, one sees it as an enemy, or at least, and I'm quoting Ari Glücklich, as an unwelcome guest, or as an invader of the body, an uninvited invader. Now, um, since Robert already mentioned endurance and endurance test, this comes under the athletic model, namely asceticism, is certainly seen as a preparatory training for a future life. And certain Plato and Aristotle you know, use the word ascesis you know, in the sense of training. And so you know, when we you know, then undergo it or when you know, we carry out athletic training, you know, we are you know, building you know, virtues such as discipline and physical control and also endurance. So we want to push you know, our level of endurance and uh, we want to you know, get into, into a position of you know, enduring you know, more, more severe you know, pains. Now, then there's certainly yet another model, namely the model of shared pain. And certainly this is certain, well to be understood as follows, namely the victim of pain may suffer it on behalf of others. And I'm still I'm quoting Arik Luklich, while the others are deeply affected by this pain. Can you think of one very famous person in human history who endured such kind of a pain for the benefit of others? Jesus. There you go, Jesus Christ. And so, and so there may also be other people who've done the same you know, they suffer from maybe some you know, serious certain illness or so, and certainly it is then believed that um, his or her you know, suffering in going through you know, the pain will you know, then help the community as a whole you know, to deal with some uh, difficult certain situation. And certainly then at, at last we have certainly the you know, psychotropic and ecstatic models of certainly pain and certainly here you know, pain 
is certainly believed certain to, or pain is known by how do you call these people? Anesthesiologists, so those who give an anesthesia, uh, and neurologists to have analgesic qualities. So in other words, when you experience an extreme form of pain, sooner or later comes a point where the pain is no longer painful. So you go beyond certain pain. And this then may even induce euphoric states. So um, these certain explanations certain given by R.L. Glücklich in, in his book do to some extent make sense even for us as certain meditators. And as I've pointed out already at the beginning of the retreat, when we face a pain, then it's not necessary to see the pain as our enemy. And it works much better if we see a pain as our friend. But I'll explain more about this later on. Now, working with a pain mm, represents an opportunity or no opportunity for you to develop wisdom. Very much so. And so when we uh, work with a pain, at first it may seem um, absolutely solid, compact, non-changing, permanent. Nietzsche in the Pani scriptural language. And then you, know, you might spend an, an entire sitting of uh, 60 minutes with a pain and suddenly when the bell comes the pain is still there and you lose hope in the practice. And so, then if you keep uh, working with the pain in the future sits sooner or later it is going to break up and then you might find that the pain will undergo all sorts of changes and eventually it disappears. So in the end, a pain has which universal quality? Impermanence. There you go. Anicca. And this is important to remember. New meditators who haven't had this experience yet, they get lost in pains and sometimes even freaked out because they assume that the pain is going to last forever. And the permanence of it is taken as a reality when in fact this is not the case. Now, when we experience uh, a pain, a strong physical pain, then no doubt its quality, its universal characteristic as suffering or as unsatisfactoriness is certainly quite obvious. There's no one needed to tell us this. And so, um, you know, the impression you know, that arises from you know, the interviews is you know, that quite a number of our meditators lately has certainly had its certain fair share of uh, uh, experiencing pains.
Now, a pain will you know, share yet another universal characteristic, and this is of what? Of what? Of wisdom. Uh, yes. And still some more. Yes, then Bill. Non-self. There you go. That's it. Anatta. And in the end, it's not my pain. And in the end, it's not me controlling the life cycle of the pain. I'm not the one who makes it arise. And I'm not the one who causes it to disappear. But a pain arises because of certain conditions. And so a pain also will, when conditions are ripe, then disappear. So pains very much, just like other predominant physical as well as mental formations, underlies or is subject to non-self, the absence of a self. And so when we work with a pain, then we can keep these three universal characteristics in the back of our mind and then see whether one or or see what is actually going on and then see whether those universal characteristics really apply or not. Are they just theoretical Mm, statements, or do they really have something to do with the practice? Now, when we work with certain pains in a um, courageous certain manner. We you know, don't run away from our pain, but uh, rather you know, we you know, face it and you know, then we boldly you know, look at it. You know, then you know, we can make all sorts of other you know, discoveries and we you know, realize that uh, uh, pain has other you know, qualities you know, such as at certain time it could be like, what was it earlier on, you know, the knife in you know, the eye, or you know, the Buddha says, he said, the Buddha speaks of a thorn. Formations can be like a thorn. Salat dukkha in the Pali, salato is the Pali word for this. Or, you know, there's a long list of 25 aspects of dukkha. These are kind of sub-aspects of dukkha and so formations then are seen as a thorn, formations are seen as a disease, as a plague, as a menace, as what else? Pardon me? As a murderer even and so on and so forth. So the Buddha is quite detailed there. Now, 
don't certainly expect to see all of these aspects uh, uh, within one and certainly the same sitting, but certainly at one point or the other in your practice over a longer period of time, you know, some of these aspects might come up. And certainly then you know, for you just certainly to you know, observe and certainly to know and certainly that's uh, all. And keep in mind when you work with difficult experiences such as a pain, that certainly you know that sooner or later the particular condition then will change again. Now, the Venerable Saito Pandita has certainly given a very good advice. Namely, strategies for dealing with pain. And this advice you can find in his book entitled In This Very Life, which was based on Dhamma talks, given at the now retreat center of IMS in 1984. Those three strategies of dealing with pain are, first of all, the all-out strategy, and all-out attack strategy might be a better way of putting it. Number two, the guerrilla strategy, and then um, I'm using the Spanish pronunciation of the word, <laughs> and not to say gorilla, but it's not gorilla. And so, and then you know, the third certain strategy is certain one of uh, well um, a retreat, and so, um, a certain yes, surrender, and so, um, the first strategy means when a pain has arisen, and your mind is still quite certain fresh and uh, eager to uh, observe, then uh, you send it right into the center of uh, the pain with all of your uh, mental uh, force. And uh, then you observe it as best as you can. You try to know its uh, nature. Now, if you keep observing a strong pain for a longer period of time, then sooner or later your mind will do what? It will wither. There you go, and so it will lose its strength, and then the mind desperately will need a break. And it is at this point that we then apply the second strategy, namely the so-called guerrilla strategly. Now, guerrillas are your insurgents that are you know, small, it's a you know, small group of fighters that fight against a huge army. And they know that uh, you know, if they were to fight a big uh, battle, you know, they would lose. But if they you know, go for you know, you know, short skirmishes here and there, you know, then you know, they can inflict a lot of uh, pain on the enemy. So in this case, you know, when you know, the pain continues, what you do is you, know, you reach, so you attack you know, the pain, 
and uh, you observe it just for a little bit, and suddenly then, you know, when the mind loses its strength, you withdraw your you know, attention from the object a little bit. It's not that you don't look at the pain anymore, but you observe it from a distance. So you give your mind some space to recover. And it's kind of like an R and R, giving your mind an R and R. And then, once your mind has gained, regained some of its strength, then you go for another attack of the pain. So another session of observing it. So you can do this, you can play with a pain like this for a number of times, and if then the pain still persists and your mind is running out of energy, well, then it would be high time to surrender to the pain and simply to start ignoring it and then to focus one's attention to, you know, onto you know, some other object, other predominant object like the rising and falling movement of the abdomen. And uh, in, you know, when doing this sooner or later, you know, the original pain uh, might you know, fade away. So keep those you know, three you know, strategies for dealing with pain in you know, the back of your mind. And you know, this will or might be very, very uh, helpful or very useful. Now, when working you know, with a pain, you know, we do need to possess you know, some amount of courage. And even if we don't have much courage to start with, never mind. We'll, when a pain arises, okay, we'll observe it for a little bit, and then we let go of the pain, and maybe we change the posture, etc. And at a later point, we try again. And so, if we keep exposing our mind to a pain over and over and over again, gradually it becomes more skilled at working with it. And certainly, so. And once one you know, gets more skilled and one has suddenly seen a pain you know, from its very beginning until its suddenly very end, until its suddenly dissolution, with this one you know, gains suddenly some confidence and suddenly then will be quite prepared to, you know, to face suddenly the next pain you know, whenever it comes up in one's suddenly meditation practice. Now, when we you know, work, with uh, a pain, we also need to possess patience, a lot of patience. And the characteristic of patience is acceptance and its function. And I'm mentioning this because it's so useful and so applicable to our practice. It is so the function is to endure the desirable and the undesirable. So we're not choosing, we're not being choosy here with the objects that come up. As long as an object is predominant, okay, it's worth observing it. And even if it's certain or severe pain. And the manifestation of pain of patience is as tolerance or non-opposition. 
So we're not fighting you know, the experience, but rather you know, we tolerate it and so, you know, we you know, stay with it as best as we you know, can. So patience and acceptance in you know, the context of you know, our work with certain pains uh, is of certain much certain relevance. And certainly this is the reason why you know, a number of you have heard you know, these qualities you know, during the interviews. Please observe you know, your objects, difficult objects, with an attitude of patience, acceptance, and certain you know, then determination and certain you know, detachment. So determination Determination is certainly in the sense of uh, well effort and with certainly some zeal there. You're willing to work with you know the situation even if it's certainly not easy. A certain persistence is certainly there. You're willing to go through difficulties. The Venerable Nisayadu Upandita defines effort as, or he gives the characteristic for effort viria as endurance in the face of difficulties, be those physical or mental difficulties. And it's a good way of putting it, very relevant to meditators. And, and then, um, the you know, fourth quality is certainly that of uh, detachment. Detachment is nothing other than, than uh, equanimity. So with a uh, neutral attitude, you know, do we try to observe uh, you know, the pain as it certainly uh, is? And uh, you know, not being partial uh, in any you know, way. Also involved here is that certainly we, you know, that we don't get all entangled in the object that we don't identify with it, but rather we manage to maintain this position of your objective observer or objective witness. And like I've said certainly in the past, the position of of a researcher. So observing and uh, you know, working you know, with paints with these certain qualities will you know, for sure make a huge difference. Now, Burmese Buddhist texts point out another interesting aspect, namely, uh, and I'll give you the Burmese even though you won't understand it, Chandayayan Singye Khan which means, maybe you understand this, Venerable Vira Nyani, Chandayayan Singye Khan. Chandayayan, to gain happiness, we need to Singye, suffering, we have to endure suffering. So, um, there is a short English saying that goes as follows. No pain, no gain. There you go. So you all know it. And 
this very much applies certainly to our meditation practice. Now, the way to explain this <coughs> is as certainly follows. If you happen to be a construction worker, then you have to work on the building, whether it's raining or the sun is shining, whether it's cold or hot, whether it's windy or not, under all weather circumstances, you have to work on your construction site, sometimes on the roof of the building. And so now this you have to do in order, well, because for you know, one thing, you like your, you know, your job, hopefully, and so, you know, then secondly, because so, you, know, you are hoping for certain you know, income. So in order to gain some income, some amount of suffering has to be endured. Or if you, you know, think of a farmer who, you know, let's say, uh, more in uh, in some uh, country you know, where a lot of traditional farming is taking place, not with uh, you know, modern uh, heavy agricultural equipment um, uh, or industry-like farming. Mm, you know, so you know, let's say if you are a farmer and you have to plow your fields certainly with the help of a, a bull and uh, or uh, sorry an oxen, certainly mm, then. Again, you have to do your work, whether it rains or not, when it's hot, when it's cold, and when it's dry, when it's wet, and so on and so forth. So we do have to put in or put up with quite some suffering to gain some happiness, to gain the comfort of sitting at home in the evening and being with our family. And the same thing goes for fishermen and fisherwomen. So working on the ocean, fishing, going fishing is not necessarily an easy job. There's a lot of suffering involved in this. If you think of the fishing going on up north in Alaska and during the winter time when it's freezing cold and heavy winds are blowing, this is not much fun. And it's all done because of a certain desire for happiness. Now, um, earlier on, you know, we've spoken about uh, you know, viewing you know, a pain as an enemy. And so, um, this is not the only way we can view a pain. And see, the nature of the mind is such that it can you know, view an object in different ways. Things are relative, so to speak. There is no one set, permanent, fixed uh, way of dealing uh, with an object. So we can uh, deal with it in a constructive or skillful way, but we can also uh, deal with an object uh, in an unskillful uh, way. So dealing, seeing a pain as a friend because it helps us to develop concentration and because it helps us to develop intuitive wisdom. 
wisdom, that would be a skillful you know, approach. And so, but if we you know, don't see it that way, then you know, it's likely that we you know, will see a pain as an you know, enemy. And why is it certain that a pain might certain help us certain develop concentration? Well, a pain is usually a clear-cut object. It's a rather distinct, rather you know, oftentimes intense uh, experience. And uh, in no time you know, does, uh, when we you know, focus you know, the mind on it, in no time does you know, the mind you know, get you know, collected. And a pain, my, working with a pain might also be extremely useful you know, for you know, the meditators who've um, you know, lately been, you know, let's say, suffering from what? There you go, from sleepiness. And you know, pain, uh, working with the pain, is a wonderful way of driving the sleepiness away. So you know, please try <laughs> Please try it you know, once. And so, so if you're suffering from you know, some heavy sleepiness, you know, do check whether there's some you know, major you know, or some distinct you know, pain you know, somewhere in the body. And so if so, uh, then consider yourself lucky you know, because you know, you've got certainly something that will help you, you know, to drive the sleepiness away. You know, working you know, or you know, when we work with a pain, we will make yet another discovery with regard to its accompanying feeling. So our usual experience is a pain is accompanied by what? Well, aversion, yes, and unpleasant feeling. There you go. There are three feelings, pleasant feelings, uh, a pleasant feeling, an unpleasant feeling, and a neutral feeling. And so when uh, we uh, actually observe a pain and certainly the feeling aspect, which is the effective quality of an object, um, and which is different from the physical pain itself, um, when we keep observing you know, this pain, you know, then we might realize after a while that its unpleasant feeling might turn into a neutral feeling. So you know, then you know, the feeling aspect isn't all that prominent. And oftentimes, certainly, it's actually quite difficult to you know, right away know you know, that certain you know, neutral feeling. It's only later on with experience and seeing the opposite you know, that one knows there must have been some neutral feeling in between. And so, and then, as one you know, keeps observing you know, the pain, it might um, even you know, turn into what the Venerable Pandita Vibhamsa you know, uh, terms a pleasant pain. So, you know, with regard to more or less one of the same pain, you now the feeding can you know, what a meditator you know, can you know, experience the entire range of you know, feelings, namely going from unpleasant feeling to neutral to uh, a pleasant feeling. Why pleasant feeling? Because you know, let's say. Earlier on, 
you notice that a pain helps you very much to get refocused, to get uh, to gain some really good concentration. Later on, all these pains disappear, and suddenly then you find you're, something is lacking. You don't have that same quality of concentration anymore, and finally a pain shows up. And you're so delighted <laughs> about these, uh, this new development. And uh, yeah, then you observe it. And certainly uh, this time around, certainly it's accompanied by a pleasant feeling. So this time around, you even welcome uh, the pain. And you no longer see it as, uh, as an enemy. Now, from a practical point of view, it is important also to know a few things about certain pains arising. Namely, there's a certain phase in the meditation practice, and a number of you are quite familiar with it, where earlier on, the body seemed quite free from pains. And suddenly then you keep uh, uh, observing whatever predominant object suddenly comes up. And suddenly then your your mindfulness suddenly becomes more and more continuous. Based on this, your concentration also becomes uh, more continuous and also stronger. And all of a sudden, pains are there. Pains that earlier on seemed like absent, like inexistent, non-existent. And then you wonder what's happening here. And so then you work with such a pain. And then for a while the pain might get even worse. It might get even more intense. And you might even despair over it. However, if you keep working with it, and as your concentration gets stronger and stronger, what will happen? Who knows? Yes, and certainly the pain will indeed subside all by itself. And so basically what happens is, owing to concentration, owing to the arising of concentration, certain pains that are inherent in the, in the body, which at an earlier point, because the concentration was still too weak, we didn't pick up. So now we pick them up, then they get stronger and stronger, and owing to concentration, the same pains then get suppressed, and suddenly then uh, they're gone. So see this uh, as, a, uh, um, as a certain development in uh, your meditation practice. Now, in the course of uh, our, or maybe another important point, really important for you as meditators. There, as meditators, we do need to take care of our health. And so the question arises, how do I distinguish between practice-related pains and aches, and how do I distinguish, or distinguish these from, let's say, some injury? And do you know the answer to this? Yes. 
related pain. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Okay, Kathleen, very good. That's certainly the point. So any pain you know, that occurs certainly you know, only during the sitting, and so, or maybe you know, when you get up and you know, it extends into the walking period for you know, a few more minutes, let's say numbness of foot uh, in, a, in a leg or so, okay, don't worry about this. But if a pain, as Kathleen has so correctly said, if it you know, persists into your or the, into the entire next walking session, and then it's again back or still present during the next sitting and the following walking, then it's high time to well rearrange your sitting posture or your make change your sitting arrangement, and or. Um, maybe you know, you know, stretch you know, your legs a little bit, etc., etc. And you know, then, or you, know, you might even want to you know, sit uh, on a chair or uh, sit, you know, spend less time uh, you know, sitting uh, in you know, meditation. So do be careful, don't overdo it. You only have one pair of knees and uh, not two or three. Now, maybe the last point for today is that in the course of our meditation practice over a longer period of time, so let's say several, several days, several weeks, or even several months, pains will be our companion every so often. I'm not saying all the time. But you know, like at the very beginning of a retreat, maybe day one, day, you know, day two, you know, pains will not be that you know, obvious yet. However, you know, when the you know, third day you know, comes, you know, then you know, usually the pains are quite you know, predominant. And you know, then mm, you know, pains are a clear reality. No doubt about you know, uh, you know, pains anymore. And, and then you know, pains certainly... Uh, and pains oftentimes uh, occur in, you know, during phases in the meditation practice when indeed you know, the aspect of dukkha, of unsatisfactoriness, is predominant. And so physical pain oftentimes you know, you know, then is accompanied sooner or later you know, by you know, well, difficult mental states. And certainly that then you know, will you know, drive the you know, point you know, home you know, that uh, uh, you know, the body and the mind is indeed full of dukkha. And this is what you know, the Buddha has said all along. Now, when we you know, practice and again and again we have to you know, deal with certain pains, our understanding of them and our relationship to them also will change in wholesome ways, in skillful ways. And gradually we become experts in dealing with certain pains. And in particular our attitude will change 
and some, if we have observed you know, physical pains, not just hundreds of times, but thousands of times, then what happens? There you go. Just another, you know, just another sensation that has arisen. And then at that point, a pain is no longer seen as a pain. It's just a sensation. That's all. And the mind becomes pretty, you know, pretty relaxed about it. And you know, also you know, with this comes um, you know, much equanimity about a pain. And so, you know, so you know, then the mind, <coughs> sorry, the mind no longer gets you know, thrown off you know, balance. And so, you know, this will make a big, big difference in uh, your practice. So if one you know, then you know, continues with certain you know, certain meditation practice, sooner or later, you know, when all you know, the you know, relevant certain you know, factors are present, so, you know, the controlling faculties are you know, there and well, you know, well developed, you know, well you know, balanced, the enlightenment factors also are present, are you know, well you know, balanced, then sooner or later it might happen that our attention falls onto some object, and it could be any object, physical or mental, and we then see it in the mode of pain or you know, dukkha, and Satna with Satna, this Satna then becomes our door to liberation. We mokra mukra in the Pali scriptural language, and Satna then what occurs is namely noble path knowledge and fruition knowledge, and both of these take Nibbana as an object. And this kind of, uh, uh, of an attainment is known as the desirelessness um, attainment. Apanihita nuvimokha in or vimokha mukha in the Pali scriptural language. Let me conclude today's Dhamma talk by wishing me and you understand, may you gradually develop a deeper and deeper and more more realistic understanding of pain and also relationship to them. And may they become your best friends and may they lead you to the door of liberation. And this is it for now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.